Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Hello, podcast listeners. I uh, just wanted to give you a heads up that for our Vitality Shift Immersion Day, September 15th in Perth, we still have some spots available at the time of this recording. So if you're interested or in Australia and want to come by, hit the Vitality Shift, uh, please go to www.trueconceptseminars.com and look at the Perth Australia link. And we hope to see you in Perth. Now back to the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host, and today I get to go back to Australia, but I get to go to West Coast Australia, and I'm very excited because I get to go to a city called Perth, where Brandy and I are going to be heading there in September to put on a program, and I get to talk to uh, one half of, of our uh, uh, best friends that we really love in Perth, um, Kath Foote. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Don. Thanks. Good to talk to you again. Yes. And so for everybody out there, we've met uh, Dr. Craig and Kath Foote. Uh, probably it was at a Parker, I think. Was the was that the first time we met? Uh, I think so, yeah. I, I can't even remember how long ago. Maybe, what, six years or six maybe? Or I don't know. Years six or seven years? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And since then, we've hung out in like San Francisco and Auckland, New Zealand and Sydney, Australia and the Gold Coast. Like we've been, we've, uh, been able to hang out all over the place. And, and what I really wanted to do is because is we have a lot in common, right? Because we have um, a chiropractor and a non-chiropractor, but then the non-chiropractor in the relationship is actually working in, in the practice and helping, or pr probably doing more work than the chiropractor is doing, right? <laughs> well, yeah, we all play to our strengths, I think you could say. So, uh, yeah, but we do, we, we have like a bit in common with you and Brandy. So in terms of the dynamic in the, you know, in the practice and how we, you know, travel together and we we're a really good team like you guys. So, yeah, that's exactly. And I, I kind of wanted to, to get that out there because uh, there, we're meeting more and more couples in chiropractic and, mm -hmm. and would love to get, uh, and we'll get into this when we get through your story, but just go through the aspect of, of how the, the, the person in a relationship who's not a chiropractor actually has such a huge, um, huge role in helping grow and maintain and, and, yeah. and thrive in the practice. So, so like I like to do with all my guests, how did, how did this whole thing start off with chiropractic? Did you uh, know chiropractic first before you met Craig or how did that all happen? No, I absolutely did not know chiropractic. Craig was my introduction to chiropractic. I met Craig when he was in fifth year. So he was a, a student studying at RMIT in Melbourne. I was living over there, working over there at the time. And um, yeah, we, we met, I was, um, taking a transfer back to Perth um, and with my job and I had a going away party and Craig came along and that's how we met. And so that's, that was back in 1998. So that was my first introduction to chiropractic. So 20 years ago, I'd never been to a chiropractor. I didn't really know much about chiropractic at all. Um, but uh, Craig was fifth year. He was, he was uh, in student clinic. He was adjusting. So um, yeah, so he, he adjusted me and started to adjust me and um, you know, obviously, taught me um, a lot about chiropractic, for, I guess, based on the knowledge he had at the time. And um, yeah, and then we met and fell in love and, and, you know, ended up living here in Perth. So yeah, so 20 years is my chiropractic uh, journey thus far. 
<laughs> now that Craig's not here, um, did, did you chase Craig or did Craig chase you? Like, while he's oh, not listening? okay. So while he's not here, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was working, I was working full time. So I think I had a little bit more world experience. We'll just leave it at that. So um, I, I don't think Craig knew quite what he wanted, but I kind of just directed him and kind of, you know, led him in the, the way that I felt that it should be going. And, and he just, he played along. He, he got there in the end. He caught up. <laughs> you led him to the light. <laughs> Thank goodness. Right? Something like that. You would have been lost for a whole life if you wouldn't have met you, right? <laughs> so, so when he graduated, um, what, what did you guys do? Like, what, what did, did you open on your own? I know, I think he associated before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, what, yeah. what, how did you kind of slowly start to go from just learning about chiropractic to kind of maybe moving more into the office? Yeah, sure. Well, um, when Craig first graduated, he had an associateship here in Perth. Um, it was a great associateship. He learned a lot. It was, uh, he did that for three years. He, he um, uh, you know, learned a lot from the people he worked with at the time. And then it got to a point where we had a young baby and um, I used to work for an airline and the airline uh, back in that stage had um, collapsed. So there was, I took a redundancy from that airline and um, there was, you know, a really small amount of redundancy payout, not a whole lot, but we decided to buy a practice practice a very small practice that was for sale um, and we yeah we bought the practice and we had a young baby so we uh, I didn't sort of I guess make a conscious decision to be a chiropractic assistant but I knew my background is um, business and commerce I had done a business degree so um, I guess that was where my strengths lay and I had marketing degree as part of my um, my commerce degree there. So uh, we decided that we would buy a practice. We were really green. We didn't know. We didn't know what we didn't know. Like we just, we just went, you know what, there's no choice but to succeed. We had a, a, a young family and we just went, you know what, this is going to work and we will work our asses off to make it happen. So we, I think chiropractic kind of, found me. I don't, chose me, I guess you would say. I don't necessarily know that I sorted out myself, but it kind of just all fell into place. And um, we ended up buying this little practice that was seeing maybe 70 or 80 patients a week. It was, it was doing okay, but it wasn't doing huge numbers. Um, and then we, we got in there and we started making a few little changes and kind of increasing the professionalism of the practice. You know, we had staff in there who were on first name basis with their Kairos and you know very casual in their approach to you know seeing people and and interacting with one another and we kind of just made some small changes early on and then we realized that the people that we kind of inherited the staff with that practice really weren't the kind of people we wanted to to work with and they weren't going to help us grow our practice so yeah so that's kind of the beginnings we ended up getting those people to move on we we realized they really weren't our people so um i took on more of a full-time role in the practice kind of because of that and um and that's where my journey as, as a ca began so i became a ca and an office manager and a bookkeeper and a, all the while being a very new mother um so there was my learning curve was very very steep but you know if you don't push yourself you don't grow so that's why and now did you guys ever um hear from other people to say watch out uh working with your husband like it, it, like were you ever oh. were you ever cautious about that or did you or did you just kind of go into it and just didn't know any different yeah i don't think we knew any different i, I have people even now saying to me I, I can't believe you guys work together and you 
you know, you travel together and you hang out. I mean, we literally hang out all the time. If we're not at work together, we're at home together or we're traveling or I couldn't imagine my life without Craig. I just, you know, so it's not even in my consciousness to, to kind of, you know, think about that being any different, but I'm, I'm sure there's some couples, you know, that, that just would not work for, but for us, it's, what do you think is the what do you think is the dynamic that actually um, helps you guys to work so well together? I think that we play to our strengths. I think that you know we stay in our lanes, we do the things that we're good at, and we bounce ideas off each other. And we're very honest, you know, sounding board for one another. So Craig will come to me at all hours of the day and night with these wild ideas he's a real dreamer and a real big picture kind of guy that sounds familiar and and, uh and you know uh, i think i'm a good sounding board for him i'm you know a bit more of a realist and and because i deal with all the financials of the business and things like that i can kind of you know know where things are appropriate to to take that leap of faith or they're not um but i think that because of my background in business and that's kind of fairly strong and craig's you know, obviously he's great at what he does and in terms of being a Cairo, a coach, you know, running Spider Research, all of those things. So I have a lot of respect for him and what he does. So I don't question his clinical expertise. And I guess he doesn't really question my business expertise. So I think we're a good team like that. So it's almost like just having having trust that uh, that your 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 other your other kind of like a team member or your, your, your mastermind partner. Cause I, it's funny when I was, uh, I don't think it was in the actual book thinking or rich from Napoleon Hill, but it was in one of his success principles that he went through like Henry Ford and like all these guys um, and how the, their best mastermind was with their wife and Is that right? yeah. In, yeah. in their relationship. Right. And so I think it's, it's having that trust that they're going to be able to do their stuff in their lane. I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you guys would kind of, I'd be the same. I'm sure you sound things off each other all the time. Like it's, I think it's really important to have that person that is aligned with your goals and, and you're, you're working together towards a common goal. I, I have a lot of like Cairo friends here in Perth who, you know, they say to me, oh, you know, Craig's so lucky in terms of having someone like you who will run the business and he gets, he's freed up then to do what he, you know, loves to do. Yeah. And, you know, I've been asked to be a, a you know, uh, you know, a, a wife to other Kairos. They're like, oh, we'd lo- I'd love to have you as my wife and, and all of this. But, um, and these are, these are my girlfriends who are Kairos saying this. So, um, hey, you could have a business maybe on the side. I could, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> wife to chiropractors. Um, yeah, that's it. I think, I think because, you know, for a lot of Kairos, I mean, your situation is probably a little bit different, but a lot of Kairos are trying to be all things to all people, you know, like they're trying to, be a Cairo and have vision and want to, you know, make a difference, but they're also, you know, kind of pulled back into just everyday running of a practice. And, and I think that's quite tiring to be all of those things just on your own. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that's probably part of, you know, why we've been successful, um, you know, in running, you know, our practice now and, and previously to that having a couple of practices. So, um, yeah, I think that that's important that, you know, Craig has, is free to kind of do his thing and, and, and I'm free to do mine. So 
I always like to talk about the three levels of practice. And so this would be mm-hmm. interesting because it would become from a non-chiropractor, just like when a lot of people get um, like ask for advice from Randy too, because it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of cool because that's part of um, a part of creativity is getting kind of ideas from someone who might not be just thinking yeah. the same way all chiropractors do. Mm-hmm. But so we have chiropractors out there that are either just like graduating or in school or just starting their practice and they just need to get off the ground. Um, and they might be feeling kind of frustrated because they're starting because you start from zero, right? No, start mm-hmm. with nobody. Um, what kind of advice would you have to a, a new starting chiropractor starting their practice? I think to try and find your mentor or find a mentor or, or somebody you can go to because that was, you know, back when we started, when we, we had a, a coach who was James Carter and that was a big investment for us at the time. But, um, you know, without him and his program and, and his guidance and mentorship, um, I don't think we would be where we are today. I, I think we've adapted, you know, a lot of what we've learned from um, James and built on that. And um, so I, my advice would definitely be to find a mentor and also, you know, don't assume you, I guess, not, I don't know how to put it, but you know, so I think some of the new grads now have, um, they want it all, they want it all immediately. And I think you've got to go in with some realistic expectations of being able to working hard, having a good work ethic. Um, you know, it's going to take some time and, and you're never finished. You know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to do. Like you never finish. Like it's just, you just got to keep going with it. And, 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 you know, it's never, you just get to a certain point and then you're done. Right. You know? And I feel like some of the expectations now with grad, new grads, more particularly than people who've been out for a little while is that they, they think they know more than they do. We call it a little bit of talent dysmorphia sometimes. Um, right. and, and maybe they feel, or they've been told that they're worth more than, than that they are. And I don't mean that to be condescending. I just mean that, they've got no runs on the board. So, you know, I feel like if the real expectations are a little bit more realistic, um, then, you know, they will work harder and they will put the effort in and, and all those things. But I think mentors are, and, and seeking out people, different people in different areas doesn't just have to be within chiropractic. It could be, you know, a financial advisor or a really good bookkeeper or, or whoever that is, um, or even just someone for personal growth as well. Um, I think that that's really important. Yeah, that's cool because I find you, you need to have a team because there's no way, mm. like for me too, like as a chiropractor, um, that's why I knew when I, when I wanted to get Brandy to come in the practice, I was trying everything I could to get her in the oh, practice course. because yeah. <laughs> I absolutely knew that there's certain skill sets that I don't have. And I, and I, I don't think I knew, I just kind of innately knew no one told me before. So we're trying to tell yeah. people now that it's impossible for everybody to be good at everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. We don't, we don't all have those strengths. So it's kind of finding where those weaknesses are and getting, getting help with those. Now the next phase of practice is kind of, when you start to get hit, hit, hit the road and start rolling with success. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you guys have, have had this too, because you have, you have kids, you're a mom, you're all this other stuff. Have you hit a point where you've hit burnout because you kind of like oh. things roll and didn't really look after your health as good as you could. And maybe give an oh. example of what that was and, and, and advice to not do that. <laughs> mm. I wouldn't say there's one specific incident, but I know I always say that, and, and Craig would agree, I know that your practice is a direct reflection of your personal life. So whether that's whether you're, you've suffered an illness or an injury or, you, like you say, you've just hit burnout. I know a few years back we were building a house and Craig said to me before we started building this house that, you know, oh, he could not 
like be part of that so much, I would really have to take it on board because he didn't want the distraction to impact the practice. So I took that on board, you know, I would say probably 85% of that. So as well as trying to juggle the practice, staff, children, uh, and, and be a project manager for a massive house build, I, I really felt like I was stretched in a lot of directions. So, um, yeah, and, and I think that the, our clinic probably, um, I, I guess not, didn't suffer, but I think that my, I didn't have enough energy. My, my cup was full. I, I didn't have anything more. It wasn't full, but you know what I mean? Like it wasn't, I just, I was done. Like I didn't have any more energy to give anybody else. Um, so, and really my children had to come as a priority and, and I knew I had good staff, so I really delegated and relied on them. But, um, you know, I don't think I would do that again. I think that that was, that was quite draining for me and um and and really not having craig there to kind of balance that out for me in that you know he he was just so concentrated on on the clinic and keeping you know that flowing so i, I haven't had a, a significant injury or illness or anything but for me that that would be a big a big learning process and i don't think i'd do that again yeah is there is there certain um, things that you do now to keep yourself in a great state, like to keep your self-care? Um, oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, I, I did uh, a, a course um, about maybe 10 years ago, even longer, 12 years ago, um, Real Woman, which a lot of people in Australia, a lot of chiropractors have, have done, a real man or real woman. Um, and there was things I learned there about um, putting myself first and not having the guilt associated with that. And I know that's really hard for a lot of mums to do, uh, especially a lot of working mums, because you do feel like you're pulled in every direction. But really, um, you know, I, I do put myself first. I do put myself, I put my relationship with Craig first as well. We've always said that our relationship is the primary relationship in our family. And I know that that's going to probably not, you know, um, ring true for everybody. But for us, we've gone all that. Without that, we don't have the children. So it doesn't mean we don't adore and love our children, but the primary relationships first. So we really need to take care of that. But personally, I do put myself first. I make sure I exercise. I make sure I take time for myself. So, um, you know, every day I will do something. I'll, I'll create time for myself to go and exercise or work out or walk the dog or whatever that is. Um, because if I'm not happy or I don't feel balanced, then nothing else works as well as it should. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed too, a lot of times you'll go on holidays, just the two of you, um, cause you have, you have family holidays and then you have Catherine uh -huh. Craig holidays, right? Oh yeah. We've got a Catherine Craig holiday in two days, right? Two days <laughs> time we're away again. And, so, and yeah. tell, tell me, tell the listeners a little bit about your ideas of why, why you decided that was so important. Okay. So again, that was for us really nurturing that primary relationship. So we, we do a trip with our children and then alternate a trip with just us because that's really important for us to reconnect as a couple. Um, we don't often, we, we do talk a little bit about, you know, stuff or it's our chance to maybe brainstorm some, some work stuff, but we do try and make it more about just ourselves and, and reconnecting with, with, you know, that person that we, you know, fell in love with and, and still adore now. So that's really important to us. And, and again, I know that's not maybe achievable for everybody, but for us, we've made it a priority. So yeah, so we're, yeah, this week we're going up to Bali for five nights, just the, just the two of us. And then, you know, we, we get the chance to travel for some work things. Like we went to Fiji about six weeks ago. Um, that was a conference. So we, we've had the opportunity to travel just the two of us for work things, but we, we don't always just do it for work. Sometimes we just do it just because so just because it's important. 
What I think it was interesting too, talking to you guys um, about about that house build and, and then mm-hmm. the whole idea of behind selling that house, because was there a point where you kind of went, "Hey, I think our priorities got off a little bit," and then uh-huh. and then you, can yeah. you tell maybe the listeners a little bit about that realization? Sure, I think the for us the definition of success, we sort of had that all wrapped up in material stuff, mm-hmm. and for us it was this you know the opportunity to to push ourselves and to create this massive family home that from the outside in looked like it was this amazing experience and we'd achieved so much to build it. But the reality of that was that it it did shift our priorities and, and it really, when we kind of started living there the first year or so, we realized that it really didn't align with our values. Like our values are, you know, family and um, holidays and and all those kind of things. And really because of the commitment to the house, we went, you know what, this is no fun. Like we're not enjoying this. And um, it, it really, it really messed with both of us in terms of, you know, not being congruent and not being authentic. Um, and, you know, we, we, at the end of the day when, you know what, and it was, and there was an element of stress to it too. It was a big commitment and it was quite, um, you know, it was a, it was a big house of the big mortgage and we just went, you know what, that's not important. Family is health. I didn't want Craig to be working for the next 25 years to, you know, pay this house off. So, mm-hmm. uh, myself. So we went, you know what, we've got to get some, some work life balance and, and, and just, we need to offload this house. And, and so we lived there for a couple of years and it was good and we enjoyed it, but there was no looking back. We just, we just made a decision and we, we, sold it pretty quickly sold within a week you know we we did a ride out of it so that you know like it's all good now but we really felt like we were being incongruent with ourselves and if we couldn't be congruent with ourselves then how could we be congruent or authentic with anybody else in our lives like our kids our staff practice members all of that so that for us was huge and we just needed to get back on track and that's funny because, and for chiropractors or anybody listening to this podcast, that's why it's important to hang out with like-minded people. Because the funny thing is that we're, we're your friends and we're observing this from, from a distance, you guys mm-hmm. going through that and seeing some of the challenges because we're in the same situation. You know, we travel around, you see these amazing houses. Um, we have, uh, we've had our house for about 13 or 14 years and we're about, yeah. we're, we're only a year or two away from just paying off the whole mortgage and it's totally yeah. clear. And so we're always thinking in the back of our mind, hey, well, let's just crank it up. Let's crank it up or let's get this nice fancy house or see all these places. And, and it's funny because when you surround yourself with others or hear other stories, you can learn from that as well. And, and we've always, yeah. we've taken that as an example saying, you know what, we're the same. Like we don't even really host our, very many people at our house. We'll have people <laughs> a couple times a year and we just hang out in it and we travel like what, probably twice a month. It's yeah, we're never right. home. Right. So we're like, why would we tie up more money in, in the house that, that's not aligned with our values? And we coach a lot of chiropractors now that do stuff like, like I should, or I want to have a really expensive mm-hmm. car, or I want to have a really expensive house. And then they put themselves in a, in a, in an area of stress where it's hard mm-hmm. to create. So I, I think that's a great, uh, a great example of kind of learning, learning on the fly. Oh, 100%. I mean, look, I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, do it differently. Like I'm glad we had that experience because obviously yeah. it was, we did it because we, they were the lessons we needed to learn. Um, whatever, you know, whatever they were for us. So, you know, I don't regret it. Like people say to me now, oh, don't you regret all the time you spent doing it? And I said, no, because no. I learned so much about the process. We yeah. also learned so much about ourselves and what's really important at the end of the day. A hundred percent. And like I said, anything that you do new, 
you're going to learn new skills that you never had before, mm-hmm. which is always a benefit. So we never want to look back at it like, but, but, uh, but learn from that experience. Oh, now, yeah, definitely. Just to switch to another, because our, who, who's responsible, who's the main responsible person for, for uh, CAs and staffing in your office? Is that you? Oh yeah. Yeah. That would be me. In terms of CAs, um, I do all their training. I do, yeah, all of that hiring. I mean, Craig's obviously involved in that, but day-to-day stuff, that's me for sure. hundred percent. That's the same as for me and Brandy too. So, so could you give a little bit of advice about, about, about staff? So first of all, kind of the mindset behind hiring staff and looking after staff, just kind of Mm -hmm. for, for chiropractors, because I know some of them out there are, don't even have staff and they're afraid yeah. to get staff, or people have the wrong staff? Oh, well, look, if you've got the wrong people on the bus, that's that's a big problem. But I think um, I have a lot of, uh, and gratitude's a really big value for me. Um, so for me, I I love the team that we've created, and, and at different times it's been different people, and we've needed those different people at certain times um, to create our team. But um, I've always got a lot of gratitude and a lot of appreciation for, for my team. Um, for our team. Um, I know that we could not do what we do without them. Um, and, and I never forget that. And I would also, because I work with them, I don't, and we, that's how we phrase it too. They don't work for us. Um, yes, we do employ them at the end of the day, but we all work together. There's no, and it's a really, in our practice anyway, it's really flat kind of management style. Like, you know, there's not this really steep hierarchy of, you know, Craig and then me and then, you know, the associates and then, you know, everyone's equally valued. And I think that they know that and they feel that and they're really loyal. Like we have a, um, one of our CEOs now is, um, you know, she's been with us on and off because she's had children and things, but she's been with us for 11 years, which is fantastic. And I've got another one who, you know, has been with us. And again, she's gone away and had kids and come back. And so she's been with us sort of five years and then, um, you know, and the more recent one has been with us, you know, two, two and a bit years. So, you know, I'm really, feel, I feel really grateful and I, and I never forget how lucky we am. We are to have such a, a loyal team that work hard. I mean, they all, they all know there's high expectations, mm-hmm. but they, but they deliver. And I think because I don't ever ask them to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. And I'm sure Brandy's the same, mm-hmm. um, that I feel like they respect me for that as well. Now, when, when you do uh, training, because again, mm-hmm. we have a lot of questions always about training um, and we do quite a bit of ongoing training. What, what, is your, what is your process for training staff and then keeping them involved on a regular basis? Uh-huh. So when we start out, um, we, we have a fairly, um, uh, I guess, formal training uh, schedule for them. It's not just a jump in we'll kind of figure it out as we go along we do week by week we usually tell them it's going to take probably 12 weeks for you to be fully trained and we we section it out so it's we chunk it down and so it's not so overwhelming for them because as we all know it you know I guess until you're in the role you don't realize how sort of multi-dimensional it is and 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 there's a lot of stuff going on and you've really got to be able to juggle a lot of balls in the air at the one time to be a really good efficient CA so without overwhelming people we start small we we work on you know different things in our office there's certain scripts procedures systems all of that sort of stuff so we want them to know all that we do testing throughout it um, and then we have certain pass rates for testing um, as they're going through their training. So they kind of know where they're at, but they also know where they need to be. So we identify any issues straight up. Um, I think our training works well because I am 
I am the consistent person and always have been for training. So I guess that, again, Craig is not second-guessing that. He just knows that it will get done and to a high standard. I think that the challenge is for some people in a smaller office that the chiropractor is also trying to train the CAs. And, and I think perhaps there is, a, you know, maybe some value then in maybe bringing somebody in who is a CA trainer or, or getting them on a CA program of training just so that the chiropractor is not trying to do that and kind of micromanage that as well as, you know, see their patients. So, mm -hmm. and, and when you are, when you're hiring staff, so, cause again, we always will, that was kind of the first thing when I was uh, going to seminars and stuff, you know, you'd hear people who had hired someone and they'd stayed with them for 30 years or something like that. So kind of in my yeah. brain, when I first started, you thought that everybody's going to stay with you forever. And that's just, <laughs> that's, yeah. it's just not yeah. real. No, no, it's not. Um, sorry. Go, I think I interrupted you mid question. Sorry. <laughs> no, but, but I was just going to say, so when you go into hiring someone, um, do you guys look for personalities? Do you kind of like already kind of have a picture of what kind of role you need filled? Um, oh, how do yeah. you do that when you go into hire? Absolutely. Before we even start the hiring process, we have a whiteboard and we like basically dot point the kind of qualities we're looking for. And, and that really then, if we're at a, at a crossroads with either a couple of different applicants or we get to a point where we're just really not sure if they're the right applicant, we go back to that whiteboard and look at all the things that we have listed out. Um, to make sure that we're actually choosing the right person for the job, not just the best out of potentially, a, you know, the applicants at that stage. Because sometimes that can happen. You can get a bit desperate. You're like, oh, I need somebody. Um, they, they seem okay. I'm sure we could, you know. They you know, I always, yeah, that's <laughs> it. I always think you can always teach systems and procedures, but you can't teach personality. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, if, if they check off the criteria that we have noted down and that's different for different hiring purposes, because it's also going to be a fit within the team. Like you can't, you know, we can't have the same, you know, um, be looking for the same person every time because that's not always going to be the right fit for the team. So we, we change it up and we, you know, it could be some, you know, we want someone a little bit more mature this time because we have other younger people and we need the balance of someone a little bit mature, more mature who's got some life experience or, you know, um, at the moment I've got some, I've got, you know, three out of the four CAs in our office are mothers, which is great because that kind of rounds that out for, you know, other mothers who are practice members and stuff like that. But you know, then for me hiring, if I had to hire again, I'm, I'm, you know, someone who is already a mother that might not be on my criteria list. You know, I might just go, well, I'm happy to have someone who's not had kids because then that's a nice balance for our team. But I think you've got to really look at your team and look at the personality profiling. I know you guys have, you know, worked with that as well. Um, you know, because you can't have everybody good at everything, you know, or, or, you know, that just doesn't work. You need a really good balance of people who are, good with attention, like attention to detail, kind of process stuff. Me, I hate that stuff. So that's why I, I get people like that. I just want to sit there and talk to people. And, you know, uh, you know, that for me is fun. And that's what I love to do. Now, do you, do you have roles? Do you like break down roles in your, in your office so that, um, or are, is everybody equally cross-trained? How does everyone, yeah, everyone's equally cross-trained. I know that that's not how it works in every office. It, it no. in our office, it, it, it works because, um, you know, I, I need, I need the staff to be able to jump in and help each other. Um, we have tried it the other way. It just, for us, didn't really work out so well. So, 
um, everybody's cross-trained. They, but they start off learning admin stuff and then they work up from that. So the clinical side comes, comes, you know, maybe six to eight weeks into their training. Once I know that they've got the admin stuff sorted out and the systems, procedures, processes, all of that is, is done, then I'll move them into clinical and, and get them trained up in that. But, um, yeah, we, we cross-train across all the CAs. That's perfect. And, and as far as clinical goes, what, what kind of things do the CAs help uh, Dr. Craig with, right? Like okay. as far as like, is it first exam or evals or anything like that? Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, initial exam, progress exam, comparative exams, setting up for x-rays. We have um, a subluxation station. So they set up for that. They'll run the HRV. Um, we have x-ray facilities on site, so they'll process films. Um, so yeah, so they do quite a bit, but I think it's that kind of appeals to a lot of people because it, it is so much more diverse and range, like, you know, than just sitting at being a receptionist, mm-hmm. which clearly we're not and so much more than that. But I think, I think that, um, well, certainly the people I've ever employed really enjoy that because they are, there's some, you know, there's some breadth and depth to the role as well. Awesome. And, and as far as, uh, as practice or patient or practice member or patient education goes, um, do they take um, some role in educating um, practice members about chiropractic or how does that role go with you guys? Okay. Um, so look, they are engaged with, in terms of things like we do monthly themes. So it's their responsibility. We have the CAs, it's their responsibility to get the, do the slideshows, um, whatever theme we're running in the office that month. So like this month or coming into August, we're running a nutrition theme. So when I was in the office earlier today, my CAs were running around, you know, getting all the latest research on nutrition and stuff and setting up a, you know, a sugar display in our practice. So I don't know that they have a huge amount of one-on-one or they don't certainly don't host events, but they, but, but we kind of empower them to, to have the, the knowledge that if practice members are watching the slideshow in the waiting room or they see this sugar display or they speak to them about stuff that they're empowered enough and educated enough to have you know, a, a, a conversation with them. Yeah. 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 And, and it might not be the full amount of information, but they can certainly either then refer that through to the chiropractor or at least that patient feels like they've had some of their questions answered. That's great. Which comes to the next question. Is it when you're doing events in your office, um, do you have, do you delegate that or do you, are you, are you the boss of it or, or how do you, how do you get an event to the end <laughs> to okay. the actual event? <laughs> like how does that organization process go? Uh, I, look, I think earlier on, I probably was kind of the person that, that did it all. And I quite enjoy that. That's kind of my thing too. I do, I do like a, a running a good event. So yeah. I, I can't take a backseat altogether, but again, I have tried to delegate a little bit more and I, and I really do want to empower the staff and the CAs to, to feel like that they can run things and, and, and there's no point in me doing it all anyway because they can do just as good a job as, as I can I do like to be involved only be, from more of a point of view that I do, it's not that I don't trust them but it's just the fact that you know I enjoy that kind of thing anyway so um, they'll always run ideas past me but I've learned to delegate a little bit more or to just let things go a little bit more and just go you know it might not be a hundred percent how I would do it but it's still going to work really well so um yeah so we, we run events probably I don't know we've we did one last month on uh, SD protocol, um, mm-hmm. the Wayne Todd's book. So we, we did a presentation on that. We've got another one coming up around sleep. So yeah, we, we do, we do quite a few, but um, you know, sometimes if I'm out of the office, it's not appropriate for me to be handling the, you know, the presentation um, if we're going to be away or something like that. So, um, but some of the bigger um, 
uh, expos and things that we do in Perth with our other Nirvana practices, then I usually take the lead on that because to me that, that you're going into the public forum, you're representing, you know, the whole, you know, organisation of Nirvana. You know, we want to make sure that, you know, we do it and it's really professionally run and, and set up and all of that. So usually I do take the lead on that just to just so I can satisfy myself and my own kind of <laughs> OCD about all that. But anyway. Well, and I think too, that's, that's part of, uh, that's part of your purpose, right? Is, is, do, yeah. is, is creating things in, in your own talents. And so if you can find that, you, you don't really want to delegate it because that's the, that's the fun, fun part about it. Yeah, absolutely. It is the fun thing. And that's, you know, like I said, I do enjoy the events so that for me that, you know, you know, I'll, there'll be all the, all that, detailed stuff like you know doing all the you know the preparation for it and all the paperwork and all that which i hate but come to the day and come to setting it up i'm all in I'm, i love it yeah <laughs> now when you guys are setting up your uh programs uh or your events do you guys have like a six-month marketing meeting like where you set up a marketing plan or once a year how how do you do that Okay, so we do it um, annually. So we do a 12-month marketing plan for the office. Mm -hmm. So we have a big calendar, um, like with the whole year mapped out. We usually sit down towards the end of the year. So probably like November, we'll start planning for the the next year. Um, so like I said before, I mentioned we do a monthly theme in our practice. So that kind of sets the tone for, you know, uh, smaller in-clinic kind of presentations we might do or, um, you know, we do a big event say called every woman expo, which usually comes up around June. So we'll make June our, you know, women's health month, that kind of thing. So we kind of tie it all in within, you know, we also plug in when people are going to be away or there's seminars on, and then we plug in, you know, all the events we want to be doing and all the expos and all the screenings and, and all the things that we enjoy doing. Uh, and then we, yeah, we just kind of streamline that as, as we can and as more events come to light or, or whatever, but we do, yeah, we do, do a 12-month clinic overall plan, which I think works really well. People kind of feel kind of secure in that because they kind of know what's coming up and there's no big surprises. But I also do ask the associate chiropractors to be responsible um, for some of their own marketing and I ask them to come up with a three-month marketing plan to present to me in writing that we can go through together and brainstorm and make sure that they're building their own practice as well because, you know, it's not all about us um, just spoon feeding, you know, yeah. I, my goal for associates is really to get them to a point where they can run their own practices. So there's no point in me just sorting everything out for them. I really want them to, you know, kind of be empowered again to, to be doing it themselves. So, yeah. So I'm sure that they don't love that. Um, but <laughs> too bad. Like, <laughs> but well, I think it, it, it helps them grow that again, and you're pushing people outside their comfort zone. But I, I, I think at the end of the day, when they leave us or if they leave us, then they know they can do it. Yeah, totally. And we do that too with ours as well, because we have the, yeah. the, the practice marketing plan. And then when uh, associates come on, they, they need to kind of create theirs because they need extra. Because again, as we say, if you start from zero or you start from no mm -hmm. practice members, you got to get a lot more um, energy up front. Absolutely. Well, like we say, your roots are very shallow when you start, like not like for you guys, like your roots are really deep now. Like you, you know, you go away for a week here or there, but you, you know, you don't notice the changes so much in, in your practice numbers. But when you're a new, newer chiropractor, your roots are still shallow and you, you've got to, it takes time to, you know, to, to get them, you know, really established and really create, you know, um, that, I guess, uh, 
oh, how would you say it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, that foundation that you're, totally. you know, you, it's not going to waver too much when you take time off. So yeah. Well, I, I thought you guys would do the same as us. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And, um, and as far as ongoing inspiration, so, you know, when you do have staff that are there for 10 years or eight years, um, mm-hmm. what are the things that you do to keep them kind of inspired and engaged on a regular basis? Uh, well, you know, we used to do a lot of um, seminars and travel. Obviously, we've got all of our team coming to Vitality Shift when you guys come bring it over to Perth. So they're all really excited about that. We, you know, I think we, we also try to do a, have a balance of not only just work-directed kind of seminars and things like that, um, but we do a lot of team-based stuff as well. So fun stuff because, you know, I think there's got to be a balance, you know, and I think so we, we do try and do a lot of fun stuff with our team as well. So, we, you know, it could be anything from a quiz night to a, a bowling or, um, you know, we've been hot air ballooning before. We've, you know, we've done lots of different stuff over the years um, and we're always trying to sort of do those things as well to keep things balanced. Um, I think in Perth it's kind of, you know, I would like to take our guys to more things, but hasn't because we don't do DG anymore. That was our go-to every year. We would bring the whole team and that, that was awesome. And the team really enjoyed that. So now we're looking for more local things to keep them engaged. So um, yeah. So yeah, there's not, uh, not as many as I would like to be taking them to. And I certainly see it as a really great investment in the team. I never see it as, Oh, it's going to cost so much money. I think you've got to look at it as investing in in your people and um, you know and if you can't do that for the people that have been with us a long time you you've really got to find a way to um, keep them motivated and that's I think going back to the other stuff we were chatting about is empowering them a little bit more in the practice to have a little bit more ownership over you know a theme of the month or uh, running this particular charity drive or whatever it is kind of gives them a little bit more of a purpose as well um, outside of their role as a CA. Cool. Now going to the next level is because um, uh, Craig is, is president of the president of the Australia Spinal Research Foundation. And maybe just let us know from your perspective, what kind of, what kind of things have you been involved to help him out with that? Okay. So uh, I've done um, a bit of work with um, the like raffle team when we were doing a lot of stuff with DG here in Perth, uh, not just Perth, but um, national as well. So I'd run the raffle team um, membership as well uh, at some of the parkers. I was sort of in charge of that. I think now um, I am again, more of a, a sounding board for Craig and, you know, I, I am also that support person that, uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't ever allow him to do stuff, but you know what I mean? I, I don't ever, I, I support him in the background. So he's got to travel a little bit for his role in spinal research and, and I'm happy for him to do that. So, uh, you know, as the support person, sometimes I think, you know, sometimes the, the spouse can be a little bit forgotten in all of this, but it does, it's not just one person. It does take, you know, uh, take a group of people to, to make that happen. So, you know, it, I stay home with the kids so Craig can go off and do his things or, or whatever. So, um, so I'm definitely his support person in the background and I'm always his cheerleader. But again, I'm always very honest with him too. If he throws an idea at me or whatever, um, you know, but, but probably more what I do now is more fundraising um, for spinal research now. And, and so everything we do is geared towards raising money for spinal research, whatever that is, whether that's a, you know, a small event in our practice where, uh, you know, we sell tickets and all that money goes to spinal research instead of sending Christmas cards to our practice members. Um, we, we, 
we put the money that we would have otherwise, and it goes to spinal research. Our expos um, that we do here, we you know charge a, a fee um, for people, and they come in and have a, a, an initial consult, um, and that money goes to spinal research. So really, I guess my my way of supporting Craig and supporting the foundation is really trying to raise money in the background. And it's only, you know, it might be a few thousand dollars here or a couple hundred dollars there, but it all adds up. So, and it's really trying to get other people, you know, in, on board with that and, and get them aware of what we're trying to do with spinal research as well. Well, and, and we have, we have uh, thousands of chiropractors and, and non-chiropractors all around the world that would be listening to this podcast. And what would you say to them about uh, supporting the Australia Spinal Research Foundation? Oh, this is your sounding bar. Now you can uh, really. Yeah, I can just go to town. Well, as the first lady of uh, Spinal Research, um, (laughs) I would encourage everybody, students, CAs, doctors to to come on board with this. I mean, it's really the only foundation that's, that's, you know, facilitating research that enables people to to practice the way they want to practice and, and, and be able to do it in a research based manner. Like, you know, it's, it's crazy to me that people wouldn't be want, want to be involved with this. I just think it's so valuable. Um, you know, all the board members are on the board as volunteers, like no one's getting paid for this. Like, I think there's a little bit of a misconception sometimes that, you know, that the foundation has, you know, not a lot of the money goes to research. Well, I can tell you that, like almost all of the money goes to, to research. I mean, obviously there's a really small amount that does have to go to some of the admin side of things, but you know, none of the board members are paid. Certainly Craig is not paid. He's doing this for love, not money people. I can tell you that much. Um, so, yeah. um, so you know what, like, the, and you know, Brandy, she, she's on the board as well with Craig and she gives up so much of her time. I hear Craig and Brandy on these ridiculous zoom calls and Skype calls at all hours of the day and night talking about stuff. Um, that matters to people and, and it matters to the to the profession and you guys you guys do a lot you know I, I know you do a, a lot and you, you give a lot of your time and your and your money that from your events and things which you know we couldn't thank you enough for like it's amazing and there's a lot of people doing this around the world but you know I think if you're if you're getting adjusted whether you're a CA or um, you know a chiropractor what what's the value of you, of you getting adjusted if it's you know what value do you see in chiropractic? If you can throw, you know, a couple hundred dollars at it a year, take out a membership, you know, and a student membership is, is free. Like just get on it, students, sign up. So yeah, I would encourage everybody to, to seek our membership in spinal research. So what's the web address uh, for them so that they can uh, look you guys up and, and become okay. a member? So www.spinalresearch.com.au. Okay, perfect. Because we'll put that in the show notes too for people. Oh, yeah. So, and again, that's yeah. that's there's we got lots of students that are listening too, and that's free for students. So, yeah, and then 100%. You, and, and you guys have a newsletter, and you have lots of information on that on the website too that people can use. Because it's yeah, all absolutely it's all how does chiropractic help improve your overall health and well being? Not any like not just kind of back pain research stuff. It's it's actually oh, yeah. how does chiropractic help improve all overall health? Which is yeah. we need a lot more of that research. Absolutely. And, you know, I think when people, that's the way people want to practice. Um, I, I just think that why wouldn't you support a foundation that is facilitating the research that backs up what you want to do? Um, and, you know, I just feel it's really, really important. And, you know, I certainly wouldn't be, you know, um, such a huge advocate of 
um, of spinal research if I didn't believe in it. And I'm not even a chiropractor. So you know what? Right. If I believe in it and I have my own personal membership, you know, it's not a lot of money. I think from what chiropractic has given me and allowed the life um, for my children to lead and, and, and it's been good to us. We've got a lot, we've got a lot from chiropractic. This is our way of giving back. That's excellent. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast, Kat. Oh, That's awesome. My pleasure. <laughs> um, I, I always like to give the last minute or two uh, just to give you the floor and, and any kind of words of advice or wisdoms or thoughts that are going through your head that you'd just like to share with the people out there. Some, you know, some, some chiropractors feel a little stagnant or some people just want a little inspiration or some people have had something go wrong and, and they feel like an underdog. What kind of uh, parting words would you like to leave with the oh, listeners? Okay. I feel like, you know, we've probably all been there. So it's not, you know, I think that you're never alone if, you, if you're feeling that way, if you're feeling a bit, you know, run down or you just, you've lost your little bit of your mojo with chiropractic. I feel, I feel like everybody gets to that point at some, at some stage in their career. Um, so the people that say that they've never been there, they're probably lying to you because, you know, that's, that's the truth of the matter. I feel like, you know, why not just be all authentic and real about it and just tell it like it is because really everybody's in the same position at some point or another. But for, for me personally, you know, if, if things get like that, I really just turn the mirror on myself and look at where I'm not in balance personally. And, you know, and sometimes that's really tricky to do and it's not an easy thing to do to turn the mirror on yourself and, and look at your own situation and go, well, how have my thoughts, actions and behaviours created you know, maybe what's going on and, and really look at, not look at blaming the situation, but really just turning the mirror on myself or, or on ourselves and, and, you know, owning what's been going on and then, and making the changes personally to see the, the changes in practice. Cause like I said before, I think that your practice is a reflection of you as a person. So when you are more in balance um, or more grateful or, you know, in a, in a place where you can grow, I think that that also will be reflected in your practice. So, yeah, so that would be my, my advice. But my, another little, little bit of advice would be to please acknowledge and, and love and respect and appreciate your CAs because I know as a business owner, I think I have a unique perspective, probably like Brandy as well, that we, we work as CAs, but we're also business owners. So we have a unique perspective on, on what goes on and, and, you know, there's a lot that goes on to, to be a CA and, you, and you've got to, you work really hard. There's no two ways about it. So I, I think that I, I would encourage doctors not to forget that because um, I'm sure there's a heap of people out there who really do love and appreciate their CAs. But I think there's probably some, to be fair, who probably don't acknowledge their teams as much as they should. So please love your CAs as well. That's awesome. Well, that's, that's awesome. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. I look forward to hanging out with you here in a few weeks. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I can't <laughs> wait to see you guys. It'll be great. Yeah. We're, we're really excited for you to come and we can show our city to you and uh, yeah, and just show you around and just catch up. So yeah, can't wait. And so everybody out there, kind of the key parts I got from this is, is, you know, turn, I love that. Turn the mirror on yourself when things are going, might not be going, uh, going the way you want to do. Stop looking outside, look inside and, and really appreciate your CAs. And, uh, and also don't forget to s support spinal research because it's important for our style of chiropractic. And when you do all that stuff, you can get out there and crush the curse. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them.
Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.